You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. things I don't think everybody loves about DC, but I've always enjoyed is their propensity for doing Elseworlds stuff, where it's like, you know what? Fuck it. What if this was the case? What would their world be like then? And they have a tendency to keep going with some of those stories. Hell, they even basically took an Elseworlds story, Flashpoint, and made it a central part of the major DC storyline. Like, oh shit, everything changed, and then it changed back, and oh shit, that fucked up stuff even more. Which even the CW-verse has taken on as a thing to adapt. A lot of the Elseworld stuff, they go, well, what if this? And then they've got no real story, just the what if this. Now, the thing about Harley Quinn, the television show, is it's kind of what if these characters all existed, but nobody was watching and we could do whatever the fuck we wanted with them, which is ideally the best possible world that you could put these characters in, especially the C and D list characters that often show up on the show. I think season one was kind of a revelation and season two is one of my most anticipated things of this year. And we are here to tell you whether or not it disappointed or gave us exactly what we were hoping for. I I'm joined by Jennifer. Hey, everybody. And Doggett. Doggett. Doggett only knows the word Doggett. So, Doggett, what do you think of the movie? Well, you're supposed to say Doggett. Oh, uh, sorry, I don't play by the white man's rules. <laughs> that devolves quickly. Excellent. Go team. <laughs> the man does not know how to get set up for a joke, is all I'm saying. <laughs> what are jokes? Do we do those? Was that in the script? I don't get paid enough for jokes, Mr. Uh, one of Us guy, all right? I'm only here for scathing review. I'm so sorry. I don't do humor. Well, I mean, that was funny in and of itself. You're funny and not being funny, Jennifer. Thank you. That's my one for the year. Thank you. Good night. Enjoy the podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already. To try and do the kind of edgy humor the show is known for, you're a woman, so no one expected you to be funny. Uh, I know. I can't do it, right? It's not funny when I do it, because then Harley Quinn doesn't beat my ass after I say it. Then it would be funny. I mean, I would laugh. That's part of what the show makes the show funny is other people saying horrible things and Harley Quinn or the other characters going, Jesus Christ, what is wrong with you? You're not allowed to say that. Interestingly, making the show sort of an instruction manual for some of the people who most need to hear what you should and shouldn't say or do. It's a really sly way of educating people in a backhanded manner, and I am absolutely here for it. Totally here for what, it. What episode was the one that opens up with the uh, Zack Snyder fans? That would be um, episode five, Batman's Backman, which opens with two characters who are discussing whether to watch the show itself, where one has on a release a Snyder Cut t-shirt, which is voiced by James Adomian. Other one has The Last Jedi is Not Canon, voiced by Phil Lamar. Harley Quinn is the Venture Brothers or the Archer of the DC comic books world. It makes me, I want Marvel to shamelessly rip it off and do their own 
thing like this about the show is the people who did it. You've never heard of them. You expected this was going to be like, look at a, like a list of writers. You're like, oh yeah, these are some people who worked on some great shit. But two of the guys here are best known for shit my dad says. You know what? This is exactly what this goddamn platform needs. New blood. I am so goddamn tired of Bruce Tim. My God, <laughs> I am so happy the show exists. I couldn't see Bruce Tim writing this, but I'm sure he enjoys the shit out of it. We are talking about what happens after Gotham is destroyed at the end of season one. So, yeah, we're not going to go. Uh, we're not going to insinuate anything that might have happened in the previous season. I would presume if you're listening to a review for season two of a show, you have some idea of what happened in season one towards the end there. But the Injustice League, all the baddies have taken over. And I got to tell you, any show that the season starts off with somebody killing one of the most iconic characters in that universe off brutally. I'm like, I'm here for you. I will ride with that as Harley like rips off Penguin's nose and then murders him I'm like <laughs> wow that was a scene that Rob and I were watching that we watched this whole season together and I turned to him and just stared and he turned to me and just stared and we were like that just happened this is great I love this show <laughs> I loved it when it happened in Gotham and I love it when it happens in the show they play by their own goddamn rules who gives a shit about what character is who Anybody can die in the show. Preconceived notions, get out of here. They set up very clearly who these characters are in this universe. And a lot of them are sort of mockeries of who they're better known for being in the comics universe or other iterations, making fun of the things they're best known for. Like, I think one of the most lovable characters in this whole thing is Bane, which I never thought I would say that about Yay! anybody. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Yay. Yeah, every time Bane's on here, I'm like, I love him. When is he going to quit being a bad guy and join Harley's crew? That's where he belongs. He's so charming. <laughs> He's just so charming. I love him. I thought you said your. I, th I thought you were going to say your favorite character was Bo. Was Bo Clayface? Oh, Clayface. Yeah, no, Clayface is cool too. But that's the. Uh, that is Bo. You're absolutely right. I'm an actor, a dramaturge. <laughs> Tim Burton even has an appearance in the final episode, and he's wandering around trying to impress Tim Burton. And, and maybe I missed something. He's there with Catwoman. And Catwoman calls him Gary. That was it. Yeah, she calls him by a completely different name. Like, it's not even really Tim Burton. It's not really Tim Burton. <laughs> it's not Tim Burton at all. You just try really, really hard and fail every time. But he still touched his soul. One slow tear. He was singing, you know, opera to him, which was appropriate for the hugely chaotic, impressive final episode of the season. With pyrotechnics. With pyrotechnics. Much like the end of the last season, the show knows how to end a season and make you want more and can't wait to figure out what's going to happen next. A lot of the storyline stuff that's happening this season is Harley and her crew, basically, after the Injustice League take over Gotham, say, well, fuck that. You know, the Joker's dead. We're going to kill all the rest of the major bad guys because it's not cool that they're excluding a woman from being part of their team, especially because I'm the one who kind of was responsible for Gotham being taken down in the first place. So uh, I'm going to go kill them all. And this somehow inspires Barbara Gordon to become Batgirl, which is kind of awesome in and of itself. It was a very weird turn the show took, though. That whole arc with her and her dad, just very strange. Very strange. Like her dad is becoming self-pitying alcoholic with a codependent relationship with Batman and she sort of inspires him to be the asshole we always knew he was. <laughs> the scene with the flask, the sheer frustration and resigned nature on her face just got me. 
Oh, you poor thing. And then there's a storyline where the Joker appears to still be alive throughout it, but he has amnesia. His face is normal. Like, he doesn't have the Joker look, and he has complete amnesia. He, he's working at, like, a low-level bar back, and he's married to some lady, a normal lady, and nobody seems to know why or what the hell's going on there. But that's a running arc storyline as well. The big one, though, here where everything ties up is that Ivy has agreed to marry Kite Man. Aw. I mean, not really, because Kite Man's terrible and lame, but... You know. Thank you. Yep. Kind of the joke, right? How dare you? I love kites. Man's preconceived notion of who a woman should marry and settle down with. All right. What a great wedding speech that was. Harley has realized, shit, I think Ivy's actually the one I'm in love with. And this, of course, causes complications, not just to these characters, but to viewers all over the world who are really fucked up and mad and sitting on their mom's couch in their basement, furiously writing on the internet about how everyone who writes this show must be a cuck. What's it called? I can't claim to be any different because when I was watching this with a lesbian friend of mine, she was looking at me and she said, those two are going to hook up, right? And me being an idiot said, nah, nah, they're just friends. <laughs> hey, friends until friendlier. There's an episode here where they go for her bachelorette party to Themyscira, the home island of Wonder Woman, who, which apparently has been turned into a pleasure resort. And that is one of the funniest episodes of this whole lot as they try and figure out what is happening here. Ah, oh, fuck it. Who cares? We're not heroes. We're party. here to party and have a good time. This arc of Harley Quinn from that the show is doing of turning her into a reluctantly heroic character sounds like something that easily could go totally wrong, but I think they find their footing pretty early on and manage to make it work. It's obvious that she's going through struggles and she doesn't know who she is yet, but she has so many things that she can focus on and so many decisions to make that help her just develop organically, and Poison Ivy points that out at a certain point. She's like, you're trying, and you want to try, and you're doing the thing, and that's what counts. I'm like, yes. Slow tears, yes. Plus the added element of what it looks like how the story begins, which is Harley making a list and checking them twice of the people she's going to fuck up this season. And watching that all just one by one go down is pure pleasure. I think they overdragged out the whole romantic angle of it, but that's for my taste. I just want those things to get wrapped up quickly. I enjoy these more when it's kind of more of an episode by episode thing and their arc of, oh, but she loves her, but she doesn't know that she loves her. That sort of stuff tends to bore me and kind comic book related things, but I know it doesn't everyone. So I'll go. It's not like that's all the show is done. It was like four episodes. So relax, Chris. Jesus, you can stand a little mushiness. Do you need a hug, Chris? I mean, call monkey. I'm sure he'll think about it. Maybe briefly. He'll send me a notice of whether or not at some <laughs> point a hug could be forthcoming. I might reluctantly brush past you on my way to the food bowl. Exactly. <laughs> Consider yourself blessed. Or right under my legs as I'm walking into the living room when the lights aren't on yet and trip me and I die. But he'll gladly eat my face. Hey, you know, standards. That's love. That's Monkey the Cat, by the way, who is kind of the mascot of this site. So what do you guys think overall about how this compares with season one? Because it definitely has a different energy than season one did, I thought. I definitely liked season two more than one because of all of the agency being developed. The first season still feels very familiar, like the tropes that we're used to. And season two kind of, like you said, it sets a bit of that aside and goes on this other tangent of what if. And I really like the ability to see characters put into scenarios you wouldn't normally see and see them act in a way that you don't get to. I like the development. 
I like the direction they've been taking her, and Poison Ivy is my favorite character in that universe, so I'm all about more time for her and her exasperation with everything. And and boy, does she get exasperated. One of the many good things about this season is they actually improve on the problems in the first season. And one of the problems I had with the first season being uh, a characters like Dr. Psycho. You know, you're saying this is a feminist show, but you do still have this character where I know the point is he's a piece of shit, but you also do nothing really to like show that yeah our stance is he's fucked up this season corrects that and also i enjoyed how at the end kite man earns the power of (laughs) self-respect i do think to some degree at least they talk about it in the first season with dr psycho they're like man fuck this guy he's a piece of shit and like yeah but we're pieces of shit too remember oh yeah i guess we're just different kinds of pieces of shit that's sort of like we're still villains so we're not supposed to come down on other people for being villainous and as the show has gone on they've been more and more like delineating what things are okay and what things are not when apocalypse looks at you and says wait no sorry dark when the dark side when dark when side knows <laughs> when dark side looks at you and says oh you're the little man that uttered the phrase even i dare not say why don't we get to final thoughts danny why don't you go first what can i possibly say about this show besides the fact of seeing some cool origin stories for Different female characters, whether it's Batwoman or uh, a secret unlockable character you get after you see Mr. Freeze. There's just so much to love here. This fills the hole that Gotham left in my heart. I think anybody could love this show. Even Zack Snyder fans secretly love this show. I'm going to give this a uh, 10 out of 10 Joker recoveries. Jennifer? I really enjoyed both seasons of this show. It's rare that I find a show that both me and my partner can enjoy, and we like different things about it, but we both laughed our asses off at this show, both seasons. Very here for it. I will say, the skeptic in me, when I heard that it was Kelly Cuoco who was doing Harley Quinn, I was like, no, I don't want that. They could have gone with somebody else. But I will say, she has done a fantastic job in that role. She's been amazing. And Lake Bell had no idea who you were, very here for it. I oh, now yeah. find myself wanting to go see other things that she has voiced because, wow, super good. Well, I mean, she's a straight-up film actress, not just voice actress, too. She's done a lot of stuff. I need to go look her up because I really love what she did with this, so now I need more of that. And always, Alan Tudyk can do no wrong, ever. Who works harder than anyone else on this show. Yeah. <laughs> you he, know? Man, he's just so good. Just mm, chef's kiss. I'm going to give this... 9.87 out of 10 plastic flower bouquets. Just because I don't give anything a 10. 10's weird. I don't do 10. I think everybody ended up really well cast in this. I mean, Ron Funches, who I've never really thought one way or the other about before the show, nails it so hard as King Shark. Oh my God. He's, I can't imagine anyone else voicing that role. Same with Alan Tudyk doing Clayface. He's done the Joker before and has always does a good job. I mean, Tudyk's one of the greatest people working in the business for voice acting. Diedrich Bader also has done Batman a lot, but he is always a good choice. James Adomian is so great as Bane. I want him to be in every episode. I swear. I really hope that they listen to the fans and go, we need to make him a member of that crew. My favorite voice 
person for Darkseid is Michael Ironside. And sure enough, Michael Ironside is playing that role and, <laughs> and gets to have fun with it. I think that's the big attraction for a lot of these voice actors who've done the superhero characters before. It's like, yeah, you've done this like on 100 episodes of some show, but this time you actually get to kind of make fun of that character. And I can't see why that wouldn't be anything but just a joyous time. It was a shame that the first season on DVD came out with no bonus features at all, because I would love to watch extensive behind the scenes stuff like the writer's room cracking up on mic and bloopers and stuff i i think that stuff would be great this is a terrific show one of the best new shows in the last two years definitely one of the best superhero shows it's like neck and neck with this and doom patrol for my favorite superhero show in television in the last like five years it's a super hard call to make so i'm gonna give this nine and a half out of ten insurance policies that even bruce wayne can't get on wayne tower <laughs> nice this is such a good world. I want to see it explored. I would like to see a whole episode about how the Justice League is kind of racist because Cyborg is in it, but they always make him stay back and work the computer or something. Like, that I'm would be a cool storyline because it yeah. would deal with the actual, like, DC going, no, Cyborg's been in the Justice League the whole time, we swear. We're like, no, he hasn't. That's Stop. That's not how this works. I expected this from Batman and Superman, but never Wonder Woman. <laughs> this show's restoring my faith in DC just a tiny little bit. Like, they were at negative five, now they're at, like... Negative point five. <laughs> that's that's a huge leap, I suppose. Sure. Out of a scale of negative 10 to 10, that's a yep. pretty big leap. It is a big leap. I'm proud of them. <laughs>